If you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter six, because we are going to look at the den of lions. We are living in a time where there are lions all around. And these lions represent many things. And this is the story. Many of you heard this story growing up as a kid. But I want to look at it a little deeper and a little different today. What does it look like to face the lions of 2020? What does it look like to face the things that are trying to scare you, scare me into a corner to get us to quiet down our faith, to get us to shut down our doors, to get us into a a place where we give up hope? God is calling us to stand in the face of lions. In, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, there was a new king that had just been appointed over the Babylonian empire. His name was Darius. He was the third king in the book of Daniel. What's interesting is in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel is a teenager. He's 15 years old. And in Daniel chapter 6, he's now in his 60s. And a lot of people just think, you know, they read chapter by chapter and think it all happened in a span of a few years. But the, the, the book of Daniel was written between he was 15 years old and when he's 90 years old. So in Daniel chapter six, he's in his 60s. He's now outlived three different kings. The first one was Nebuchadnezzar. The second one was Belshazzar. And now the third one is King Darius. Let me say one thing real quick. Daniel had favor no matter who was in office. It didn't matter who the president was, who the governor was, who the mayor was. He could, you could change his supervisor. You could change his manager, but you could not change his God. His God was with him with every boss that transitioned into the company. You have a God who knows how to give you favor, even with a new manager, a new supervisor, a new university, a new city, a new church. God is with you in every transition, and he's not left the throne, and his favor supersedes any king that's in office. When God's on your side, it doesn't matter who's in charge of you. You continue to rise to the top. So it says in verse one that this new king saw that Daniel was different. And he put Daniel in charge, one of 120 different guys in charge of different neighborhoods and provinces in Babylon. And then it says in verse three that Daniel distinguished himself. He was different than the other guys. He distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities. What you need to know is that Daniel had been distinguishing himself all the way back in Daniel chapter one. In Daniel chapter one, verse eight, it said Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat like everybody else. If you want to live on a higher level, you got to eat on a higher level. You want to, you want to live on a higher level, you got to eat on a higher level because you are what you eat. You are what you consume. Everyone else was eating whatever was on the royal table. But it says in Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. See, a lot of people allow the company they work for, the friends they hang out with, the university they go to, the honor code of the country to determine their moral compass. Well, everyone else is getting drunk. Everyone else is doing it, Paul. Everyone else is saying this. Everyone else is watching this. Everyone else is following. These are the laws of the land. It is coming from the royal table. Everyone else is consuming CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. All of us are eating the same stuff. And no wonder there's so much hatred and division being spewed. There are some who refuse to eat what the rest of the world is eating, who refuse to consume all of the stuff that's being spewed out in the news channels trying to divide us. Daniel didn't eat what everyone else ate. He had a different diet. He had a diet of prayer. He had a diet of integrity. He had a diet of moral, of moral ethics. 
He didn't do what everyone else did, so he distinguished himself with integrity. He had exceptional qualities. He was trustworthy. He was faithful. And because of that, the king decided to set him in charge of the entire kingdom. Billy Graham said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. We're living in a time where people are so afraid to go against the grain. And yet when we read the book of Daniel, his faith set him apart. His faith gave him the courage to stand up against kings, to stand up against corrupt governors, to stand up against corrupt mayors, to stand up against laws that were being passed that were godless. Daniel was an immigrant. He wasn't from Babylon. He was a Hebrew boy. And they tried to change Daniel's name. They tried to change Daniel's customs, his traditions, but they could not change his character. His character was not changed by the culture. Rather, his character changed his culture. Can that be said of you? You know, the, just the other week I was with my boys, we were out in the country and we, we uh, came upon a place where there was a lot of cows and they were all by the fence. They were all right by the fence next to the road. So we got out of the car and we're walking towards the fence. They wanted to get close to the cows. And I was with Liam, Benaiah and Mac. And as we were getting closer to the fence, one of the cows goes, moo. And when that one cow did it, and, and li listen, there was like a hundred cows. When that one cow did it, the next cow goes, Moo! And the next cow, moo, moo. And they all start mooing together. They all start going like this. And then one cow runs and the next cow runs. And all the, the entire herd followed. It was a herd mentality because fear is contagious. And when one person flinches, everyone else, did you hear about the virus? Oh, what'd you hear? Ah, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? We got to run. But just like fear is contagious, courage is contagious. And Daniel was so courageous, he was making a stand in Babylon. He was living for a God that no one else believed in. Everyone else was running. Everyone else was bowing. But Daniel refused. He refused to compromise his faith. See, salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you everything. It will cost you popularity. It will cost you fitting in with the crowd. It will cost you your very life at times. And Daniel was committed. He took a stand. So what, what kind of spirit do you have? Is it a spirit of fear or is it a spirit of faith? Because in this season that we're living in, listen, the, the, the lions can smell fear. It's the, it's the agenda of the virus to spread fear. It rides and thrives on fear. If you're going to beat this virus, you're going to have to stir up a spirit of faith. If you're going to outlive 2020, you're going to have to stir up a spirit of faith. We are in the wild church. You cannot live with apathetic Christianity when you are going through a wild pandemic. You've got to stir up your faith. This is a time to lean in, to speak up, to stand up, to open up, and to carry that heart of a lion. To face the mouths of lions, you have to have the heart of a lion. So Daniel was standing up. He was standing out. He was different. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He says, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. But when you don't fear God, you fear everything else. And I've been there before. When I first started as, as pastor in 2014, I was so afraid of what people thought. I was so afraid of offending people. People would write me letters, send me emails, come and talk to me after church. You need to do this. 
You need to do, and it wasn't like morals. It wasn't ethics. It had nothing to do with God's word. It was man's tradition. They were trying to weigh me down with their own armor. They were trying to, you know, tell me this is how we've done it. You got to do it like this. And yet I could hear the Holy Spirit inside me. It's time for a new season. It's time. You got to be who I've called you to be. You can't be like everyone else. You got to carry the heart that your dad carried, but you don't have to wear the same armor. You don't have to do the same things. There's, there's, there's a new season that got, and yet I was afraid to offend people. And so I bowed down to the fear of man and I was in a cage. I was, my faith was caged. It was domesticated. It was tame. And in 2016, I read a book called breaking the spirit of intimidation by John Bevere. And man, that book set me free. I came up on our stage and I said, from this day forward, I will not apologize for who God has called me to be. And I will not succumb to the cage you try to put me in with your own opinions because I have a God inside me who speaks to me, who tells me from his word who I'm called to be, what I'm called to do. And I will no longer live tiptoeing around trying to say something politically correct for your own agenda. Something broke. And I'm not going back to that. You see, when you fear God, you don't fear anything else. People told me, we're going to leave the church if you you start preaching in those jeans. (laughs) We're going to leave the church if if your church keeps on doing this. If you guys keep ministering like this, you keep on letting anyone come in here. Listen, we're called to be a church where everyone is welcome here. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. We have convictions from the word of God. And when you fear God, you don't fear anything else. You don't fear the virus. You don't fear political correctness. You don't fear people's opinions trying to trap you and mold you and hold you. Only the fear of God can deliver you from the fear of man. Daniel cared more about God's opinion than King Darius's opinion. He cared more about pleasing God than pleasing the crowd. So he did different things and he stood out. Now watch this in verse four, because Daniel distinguished himself and stood out and didn't eat what everyone else ate. It said there was men who, who were jealous of his favor. They were jealous of the favor that was on his life and they started looking for ways to take him down. They started looking for grounds to bring a charge against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything. They were unable to find any. They tried to bring a smear campaign against Daniel. They tried to take him down, but they could find no corruption in Daniel. Come on, Daniel. He was a trustworthy man. He was neither corrupt nor negligent. Here these guys are, and Daniel knows it. They're hating on him. They're jealous of him. They don't like how he's just got favor. Doesn't matter who's in office, Daniel gets promoted. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel gets promoted. Belshazzar, Daniel gets promoted. Darius, now Daniel's getting promoted again. And these guys are angry. They're mad. And so they start thinking, what can we do to try to take him down? I love that Daniel pays no attention to his haters. My dad used to say the dogs bark, but the train keeps rolling. The dogs might, you just keep on being, see, Daniel was face. You got bigger battles to face than trying to prove yourself to all the people who don't agree with your, your beliefs and what God's called you to do. I've had people mad at me that we've opened our church, that we're doing what we're doing. People trying to tell me that I'm doing it wrong. And I try to respond. I try to, you know, do whatever I can to try to sway them. And God says, stop it. They won't understand. So you just keep focusing on the mission I've called you to run. Don't hate on them. Don't be mean to them, but don't get distracted by sideward battles because you got a bigger battle to face. There's a bigger enemy than the sideward enemies right here. And he wants us distracted over here while he passes laws over there. 
He wants us distracted in the shallow end while he begins to move things in the deeper end. We got to stay focused. So Daniel's focused. Finally, these men said in verse five, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. We can't catch him in corruption, so we're going to have to catch him in his religion. We're going to attack his religious beliefs. And thank goodness that we have Darius in office because Darius is our Trojan horse. If we can get Darius in office, we can convince him of our own agenda and he won't even know. So watch what happens. Now that Darius is the king, these administrators and governors came to the king. Oh, King Darius, long live the king forever. He's like, oh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> the royal administrators and the prefects and the governors and advisors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, because you're so great, your majesty. He's loving the flattery. Be careful with people who flatter you because they might have an agenda. They're trying to sneak right under you. <laughs> they said, if anyone prays to anyone besides you, your majesty, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Anyone who prays to any God besides me will be thrown into the lion's den. And the lion's den was not just a den of these little kitty cats. These were ferocious lions. I've seen lions out in the wild before. In fact, about five years ago, I went and visited this, this tiger village outside of Tulsa that later I did not realize when the show came out on Netflix, I was at Tiger King's place five years ago. I kid you not. Like, my wife's like, I don't know if it was for real. We didn't see Tiger King there, but we saw all his buddies. They were all there, and sure enough, there's tigers and lions, and, you know, it's right outside of Tulsa. I actually have footage. Do you guys want to see the footage of, of me walking through? Okay, check it out. You asked for it. I'm about to face a lion right here in our state. Lions. Rawr. Rawr. Here I am, right with the lions. These lions are massive. The roar is so loud. They are ferocious. And it's almost mealtime. Can you imagine what it would be like when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den with these lions? Not just with one, but with several lions surrounding him. And he didn't have a cage between him and the lions. He was standing right next to them. This lion is about 16 years old. In fact, the type of lion that he is is extinct right now in the world. These lions can actually eat up to 100 pounds in one setting. Oh my goodness. That's Carol Baskins wow. right there. Wow, look at those claws. Stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was
was my brother in the background behind the camera. He was like, stop, Paul. Stop putting your hand over there. Those lions were huge. And I started thinking about Daniel knew he knew the price. He knew the risk. You know the risk when you come to church in 2020. No one's forcing you to come. You know the risk. It requires risk-taking faith to be a Christian in 2020. It, it requires risk-taking faith to be a Bible-believing Christian and to show up to a church in 2020. Daniel knew the risk. He understood that these lions, he, Daniel didn't have a Bible. He didn't know how the story ended. He didn't have a script. He understood the laws that were being passed. He wasn't asleep to it. He wasn't ignorant of it. He knew he was in a godless land. He knew that there was agendas being passed, trying to shut down his faith. They weren't saying you can't believe in God. They were saying you need to keep it private. They weren't saying you can't have faith in God. They were saying, just don't let anyone see it. Your doors need to remain closed. You guys need to shut down. You need to stop this. We need 30 days to stop this. And, and what I sense is the enemy is starting off with the initial agenda to just see how much the church will bow to the cultural pressure to be quiet, to shut down, to stay politically correct, to stay neutral, to not say anything, to not do anything, to not speak up. And, I, and when I say the church, I mean you, because we are the church, individuals. The enemy thrives on silence thrives on us bowing down with fear. If one of us, all of us start running, I'm going to be that one cow that just stands at the fence. I'm going to be that one bull. Some of y'all going to be that one heifer that just won't move. I'm not moving. I'm not afraid of you, COVID-19. I'm not afraid of you, virus. I'm not. A, fear is just a liar running out of breath. I'm not, I'm not running anymore. I'm not Come on, get your bullhorns out. You just stand right there. I'm not moving. I'm not following with the herd that's running from this. That's what Daniel was doing. He's saying, you can pass your laws, but I'm still going to pray. You can pass your agendas, but I'm still opening my windows. Watch what he does here in verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Daniel had... Daniel had a prayer for Jerusalem because Jerusalem had been burned down. All the Hebrew kids had been taken into captivity. They were in exile. For Daniel, he wasn't just praying for his meals every day. He wasn't just saying, bless this food in Jesus' name, amen. He, was pray he had a burden on his heart. He had a nation on his heart. What are you praying for? What is your Jerusalem right now? Every Christian needs a Jerusalem. Every Christian needs a prayer. Every Christian needs a targeted prayer. What are you drawing circles around? What are you praying for? For Daniel, he opened his windows and he stared, he stared his problem in the face and he would pray over his problem. Are you panicking over the problem or are you praying over the problem? For some of you, Jerusalem is your marriage and you need to circle that and pray over it every day. For some of you, it's your son, it's your daughter, it's your father, it's your mother, it's your husband, it's your wife, it's your company, it's America but everybody needs a Jerusalem. So Daniel, he went upstairs and he opened his windows. This is not a time to close your windows on your faith. This is not a time to close the doors on your faith. Daniel was having an open, an open prayer service and it was three times a day. That Victory Church, they just won't shut down. They're having six prayer services a week through this pandemic. They'll get up on a rooftop. They want the world to know there's a God that's bigger than this virus. There's a God that's bigger than these demonic agendas that are sweeping through our land. 
Listen, the world is bold about their agendas. This last week, Netflix released one of the most demonic movies just trying to normalize pedophilia, and they are loud and proud and bold about it. California just passed a law just this last week. Governor Newsom signed the law that begins to legalize forms of pedophiling going on in that state. Oh, we can't talk about that. We don't know. Paul, we are not allowed to speak about that. Let's just calm down. Let's just keep it really sweet and sugarcoat the truth and just give us an encouraging sermon. Listen, right now, the most essential thing that needs to be happening is the church. It is prayer. It is faith. It is worship. It is the word of God. It is the truth that needs to be preached from every pulpit in America, from every nation in the earth. If you don't take a stand right now, you won't have a stand to take next year. Daniel understood the stand he takes today will determine his kids stand from years from now. If you don't stand up in this nation, if you don't speak up, if you don't open your windows, you won't have windows to open. If you don't open it. So he opened the windows. He said, I'm going to love Jesus with my windows open. I'm going to show up to church with my windows open. I'm going to pray with my windows open. I'm going to serve God with my windows open. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus in my public school with my windows open. I'm going to take a stand on the NFL field with my windows open. I'm going to speak up in the NBA with my windows open. I'm going to say it when, when people, when no one else will say it, I'm going to do it with my windows open. It was a bold faith. It was faith in the wild. He knew the consequences. He knew how these lions would react. And yet he said, I'm committed till death do me part. I would rather die in the lion's den with faith than live in a royal palace succumbing to the fear of man. I would rather die with faith than live in the palace, eating food from the royal table, knowing deep down inside that I compromise my convictions to please the crowd. So Daniel was all in. And when the men saw Daniel, in verse 11, when they found Daniel praying, they found him praying. He was praying. It says, actually, in verse 10, it says three times a day he got down on his knees. You can see more on your knees than the enemy can see on his tippy toes. You got a greater vision on your knees than you do standing on your tippy toes. So Daniel would pray, oh God, I pray that you'd bless Jerusalem. Lord, I pray that you'd heal our land. God, I pray that you would forgive us of the sins of our nation. Lord, bring the exiles back. Bring them back. Bring them back. Oh, valley of dry bones, live again. Daniel was a prophet. And he was praying prophetically for the future of his nation. This is a time for prophets to rise up. Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Sometimes the violent thing is just to take a stand when no one else is. Sometimes the violent thing is to pray with your windows open. It doesn't mean to fight. It means to live with such a radical faith that you're willing to lose the popular card. You're willing to lose your cool card. You're willing to take a stand. And so Daniel, he would pray and he would ask for God's help every day. He was praying before he got in the den. So many people wait to pray until they're in a crisis. He was praying before the crisis even happened. He was doing what he always did. 
Can I tell you what Victory's been doing in the pandemic? It's nothing new. We've been doing it since 1981. Mom and dad started this church out as an outreach church that we would bring food to the hungry. We would clothe the naked. The Tulsa Dream Center was not a brand new thing in 1999. It was just we finally had a building to do what we were always doing. We've always been about serving people. This is not a time. Listen, you can start today with some new habits so that when the day comes, when those habits are needed and necessary, you've already been doing it. You've already been praying. You've already been serving. You've already been given. You've already been forgiven. You've already been loving. Make the decision today. Daniel prayed like he always did. And the men found him praying and they went to the king and they said, King, did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? They got him. Gotcha. Darius was saddened. He was stressed out. Darius wasn't really a bad guy. He was just, he was just the, the man they needed to get their agenda through. As long as he was there, they could keep pushing what they wanted to do. And the king said, yeah, I did sign that and it cannot be repealed. They said to the king, Daniel, one of your leaders, and he is an exile from Judah. If you got a pen, just underline that, that part right there, from Judah. He pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the, the, the commandments, the decrees that you've put in writing. You've published it around the city. He's seen the mandates, and he still prays three times a day. If you don't think that religious persecution is happening, you're not awake right now. It's happening. Just a month ago, they tried to tell churches in California, you can't worship, you can't sing, you can't open your mouth, you can't even gather in homes. If you gather in homes, we'll arrest you. But you're welcome to go to the cannabis shop and the alcohol shop, and you can go to Walmart, you know. More people are willing to take a risk to go into Walmart right now than they are to go into church. More people are willing to take a risk to go outside to the park than they are to gather and worship. Thank God for the churches that are taking a stand. There, there's churches in California that have taken a stand and said, this is baloney. This is a double standard. And they actually won in a Supreme Court battle last month in August against the governor of California to say, you cannot shut us down from worshiping. My friend Sean Foyt is one of those guys that's out in the streets and he's worshiping and he's singing. And you might go, well, I just don't think we should cause a ruckus. I think we all just need to calm down and obey orders and not stand up. I'm telling you, there is, listen, the virus is real. I know it's real. People are sick from it. They're dying from it, just like they die from cancer, just like they die from the flu, just like people have been dying from Alzheimer's, all kinds of different sickness and disease. Don't make this sickness or disease bigger than it actually is. It is real, but some of us have blown this up to be the, 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 the virus of all viruses. This thing's going to kill all of us. Even scientists and medical doctors who don't go to church, don't believe in God, have said the stats are showing us this is not as strong as the world is making it out to be. There is an overreaction going on worldwide. And I'm telling you, there's an agenda from the pit of hell trying to spread fear to try to reset our world to be completely set up, like not even under God. I prayed, I said, Lord, if I share what I'm sensing in my spirit to share, people might leave the church. God said, thank God you broke free of the fear of man because you're going to gain the right people that are called to this church, that are called to stand. 
I shared that last week. It's okay if you disagree with me, but I believe God has you here on purpose. And I do believe that the, the words that I'm about to share next, you, you need to hear, even if you disagree with what I'm saying right now, because there is parts of this chapter that are in direct connection with what we're facing. So, so the king said, the decree is correct and it cannot be repealed. Daniel must go to the lion's den. When the king heard, he was distressed, but he could not save Daniel. So the men went as a group to the king and said, it's time for Daniel to go into the lion's den. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring with the rings of the nobles so that Daniel's situation would not be changed. It was unchangeable, it was irreversible. His fate was sealed. This is your final chapter, Daniel. The king went back to his palace and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment. And he could not sleep. The enemy that has tried to take you down, every person who's tried to steal, kill, or destroy what God is doing in your life, I speak it right now. They won't even be able to go to sleep until things are made right. There's going to be an awakening where even the people who were doing the wrong stuff are going to come to the truth of God's word. But here Daniel was, and he was spending the night not knowing how tomorrow would look. Spending the night with lions, facing lions. Daniel, would you come up here? And um, I, I got a couple of volunteers over here. Y'all know I'm like an illustrated sermon guy. I'm going to need you lions to come and stand behind and beside Daniel. Yeah, give these guys a big hand. See, all of us in this room are facing something. And I need some of y'all to come stand, stand around them. Yeah, all around. These lions represented all the different threats that the enemy was bringing against Daniel and those who believed in God in Babylon. There are threats all around us. Threats trying to silence us. Threats trying to scare us into a corner. I felt them. For some, it's accusation. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, daily accusing you. You don't know what you're doing. You're just making a fool of yourself, accusing you. He just sits and he accuses you daily, daily. Accusations, accusations, accusations. And with the accusations comes the shame. The lion that just says, shame on you, shame on you. You don't know what you're doing. These lions were roaring, ready to eat Daniel. Here he was, there was no way out. I felt this one here in the last few months. People have said, shame on you for having church in a pandemic, shame on you for opening your doors. People have commented on social media, people have sent me emails, shame on you, shame on you. And I've tried to explain, listen, we're doing, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can. We're cleaning between all the services. We are, our volunteers, our kids teams wearing masks. We're skipping every other row. I'm trying my best. And God's saying, stop trying to explain yourself. You're doing exactly what I've called you to do. And you will not convince people who have made up in their mind what they think you should do. So I've had to look that shame and say, no, shame off me in Jesus' name. The Bible says that God stands between you and the accuser. If you felt condemnation in the last, last few months, accusations, that's not from God. God does not bring accusations and condemnation against you. 
That's the devil. I talked to a woman at the altar a few weeks ago and she said, I'm so, I'm so ashamed of myself. I haven't done a good job as a mom. I, I didn't do, I made the wrong decisions when, when my daughter was 13, when my son was 15, I, I should have been there and I should have corrected them and I didn't. And now I'm paying the price. And, and I said, Hey, shame off you, mom, shame off you. That's not God. You can't change your past, but it does you no good living in shame and rehearsing the accusations of the enemy. You could change your future from this day forward. You need to forgive yourself and accept the forgiveness of God. And listen, the enemy will just try to keep you in that cycle. Defeat. It's over. This is your final scene. You're not going to get out of this. You better bow down to the political correctness of the day. Don't you take a stand. Don't you live with courage. We all need to do what we need to do. We all need to just bow down to the political correctness. Offense. People divided. So much division coming. Fear afraid about the virus, the virus, the virus. What if it comes to our house? What if it comes to our kids? What if this happens? What if that happens? Fear rides on the what if, and then there's lack. What if we run out of money? What if I lose my job? What, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our kids? What's going to happen to me? What if I, what if I have to drop out of college? What if I can't afford to take care of my parents? And what am I supposed to do in that lack spirit? It just breathes and it roars. I was at that lion place several years ago. And I said, what do I do if I face a lion in the wild? And she said, are you planning to face a lion? I said, just in case, if I'm ever out in the wild and I'm facing a lion, she said, number one, don't panic. I said, that's the first thing I would do. She said, don't panic because the lions can smell the fear. They can smell the panic and they, they thrive on your fear. They thrive on your panic. Doctors and scientists have said that panicking actually makes you more susceptible to sickness and disease. You are more vulnerable to the virus when you are living with worry, fear, and panic. If you think panic is fixing your problems, it's not. Instead of panicking, it's time to start praying. Daniel, would you just go to your knees? Because this, I, I picture Daniel in the lion's den, and this is where he's at. Instead of panicking, he's praying. Instead of panicking, he's praying. His prayers are, are turning his problems into a platform for God's power to show up on his behalf. Panic doesn't invite the power of God. Prayer does. Isaiah 41 10 says, do not panic. I, the Lord, am with you. Do not be afraid, Jacob. I am with you. All throughout the Bible, 365 times, God says, don't be afraid. 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 That's a don't be afraid for every day of the year. You need to just rebuke that spirit of fear. I heard this story about a guy named Nick who worked in the railroad yard. And one day he was putting something in a refrigerated cart in the railroad as everyone was leaving for work. The door shut behind him and he tried to bang on the door. I'm, I'm locked in this refrigerated cart. But all the guys had left. He was by himself and he started thinking, I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to freeze. I'm going to die in this refrigerated cart. His panic overtook his mind, overtook his body. And the next day they found him. He had written a little note. He froze to death. He died. The crazy thing was when they checked the temperature in the refrigerated cart, that refrigerated cart had been unplugged for a month. It was, it was 68 degrees in the cart. That's what it is right now in this room. But because he believed it in his mind, panic literally overtakes your body. It sends your body into a shock. This is not a time to panic. This is a time to pray. Secondly, she said, don't run. I said, that's the next thing I would do if I encountered a lion. I'd run. She said, don't run because you're dead meat if you run. You have to take your stand. You have to stand and face the lion. The lion actually feels more intimidated when you stand and you look at it than when you start running. 
There is, there is power in standing. Ephesians 6 says, when you've done everything you know to do, keep on standing. Can I tell you, there is a spirit of faith rising up out of this church because we have stood. We have stood. We have stood, and we're going to keep on standing in October, November, December, and you're stand, we're standing together. We're all standing together. She said the third thing is you got to make some noise because the lions thrive on the quiet. They thrive on the silence. Ashley and I experienced this this summer. We were hiking in the mountains, and, and, and there was guys out there. They said, you better make noise because the bears, they thrive on your quietness. You got to make noise. When you're in the wild, you got to make some noise. We are in the wild, church. It is time to lift up a shout of praise. It is a time to sing. It's a time to worship. It's a time to lift your voice up. I just imagine Daniel in that den. He just started praying. He just started worshiping. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff that comfort me. You cause me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The same God who was with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph in the pit. He's with me right now in this den. I believe Daniel was speaking up. You got to make some noise. If you don't talk to your mountains, your mountains will talk to you. If you don't talk to those lions, they will intimidate you. Fourthly, she said, stay alert because at any moment those lions could roar and they could come right at you. Don't catch yourself sleeping. Don't get content. Don't get too tired. Don't let pride think that you've conquered this thing. Peter said, be vigilant, be on your watch. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. This is a time to be alert. Keep your eyes open. Then she said, when the lion charges, if the lion charges, you need to fight back against it if he charges. This one got me. I thought, I'm a human. That's a lion. It's not a kitty cat. That's a big lion. She said, right. And when you fight back, you actually scare the lion. When you fight back, when you come at that lion hard, this is what David did. When the lion and the bear tried to attack his sheep, how he handled the small test would prepare him for the big test, Goliath. There are things coming at you right now, and it is not a time to just sit still. It is a time to fight back. It is a time. Listen, in 2015, my wife and I, we had a baby, and we, we waited. We didn't do gender reveal, so we didn't know. We thought it was going to be a girl. Everyone said, it's going to be a girl. We had a girl's name picked out, girl clothes. It was a boy. And when he came out, this was our second child, we didn't have a name picked out for him. A couple days went by. They said, what are you going to name your, your kid? We said, to be announced, TBA. You know, and so... I was reading my Bible, 2 Samuel 22, these few scriptures about a guy named Benaiah who chased a lion on a snowy day. He chased a lion. No, no, the lion wasn't chasing him. He was chasing a lion on a snowy day. He was one of David's mighty men. He was one of David's protectors, his bodyguard. And it says he chased the lion into a pit. He could have walked away from the pit and said, I've done my job. The lion's in the pit. The Bible says he jumped into the pit with the lion and with his bare hands, he dismantled the lion's jaw and killed the lion. Come on, I love, the Bible is better than Braveheart. It is like the most powerful, intense movie you've ever. And I said, babe, his name shall be called Benaiah Doherty. And she said, I like that, that's strong. When I look at the next generation, I see Benaiah's rising up. I see Daniel, Shadrach, those that are unafraid to stand up against lions. How we handle this pandemic right now will determine the faith they live with years from now. Fear or faith. 
I'm looking at a generation that's leaving a legacy of faith. I'm looking at a group of people that's setting up next generations with the spirit of faith. And they will stand on your shoulders and they will walk strong and they will not die. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. As I get ready to end, it said the next day Darius came and he stood over the pit and they removed the stone. And he said, oh, Daniel, did your God deliver you from the lions? He's waiting. And all of a sudden, Daniel speaks up. King Darius, just those words right there, sent chills down his spine. Oh, my buddy's alive. King Darius, I'm still here. You're still here. Some of you have been through the lion's den and you're still here. It's a miracle you didn't die last month. It's a miracle you didn't die from COVID. It's a miracle that God got you through that car accident. If you're still here, I want you to make some noise this morning. You should have died. You should have been dead a long time ago. Come on, I'm still here. I'm still here. The enemy tried to kill me. The enemy tried to shut me down. But my God sent the angels to shut the mouths of lions. God didn't make the lions disappear. He just stood with Daniel in the, in the lion's den. God may not make your problems disappear, but he will make you invincible against those lions. He may not make the fire go away, but he'll walk with you through the fire. Alan, Pat, he's walked with you. This couple right here is a testament. How long have you been part of Victory? Since 19, before victory even started, they've been here for 40 years, walking with my mom and dad. Many times they could have died from a variety of different things that have tried to attack them, but they're still here. Come on, Al, you're still here. Pat, you're still here. I'm still here. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against me stands condemned. By the blood of Jesus, he who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. If you're still breathing, God's not done. If you got breath in your lungs, God's not finished. And you're going to see the victory. The king said, Daniel, it's time for you to come out of that pit. The same guys that threw him into the pit, they got eaten by. God's about to bring justice in areas where you've been attacked. The enemy's going to have to pay for it. Give these guys a big hand. King Darius said, from this day on, we will only pray to the God of Daniel. We will only worship the God that Daniel worships. His name is Yahweh. I believe that God is going to be glorified through your stance, through your testimony. With heads bowed and eyes closed here today, if you just need God's help, if you feel like you're surrounded by some lions, by some enemies, some problems that have been staring you down, trying to eat up your faith, maybe it's shame, maybe it's fear, maybe it's financial stress, maybe it's marriage issues, maybe it's problems at home, maybe it's, it's just you, you've, you've lost your courage, you just feel attacked by the fear of man, just trying to please people all around you. Today, you're saying, I need God's help. I need to get that faith, and I need to see a victory in this situation. Just raise your hand if that's you all over this room. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. From the front to the back. Yeah, yeah. I feel to pray for courage. If you just need some courage this morning, I want you to raise your hand. You just say, Lord, I, I need some courage to stand and to keep standing and to speak and to keep praying. Lastly, you're here today, and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with God. I need to repent and I need to surrender. If that's you, today's your day to make things right with Jesus. Just raise your hand. 
Come on, today's a big day. Heaven rejoices when one sinner repents and comes home to the Lord. If you raised your hand for any of those, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar right now. Let's cheer on brave men, brave women, married couples, families, grandparents, college students, kids, teenagers, whatever age you are. Come, there's a place at this altar for you today. And you're not alone. You're not alone. God says, I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to deliver you from the assignment of the enemy. Lord, I just pray right now for every person who's coming down. Some of you, you're in a legal battle right now. <sighs> Sir, when you raised your hand, is that Jeremiah Mattiola back there? When you just raised your hands, I never do this, but when you just raised your hands up, man, I just felt like there was an angel in this section that was just surrounding someone who's in this section that's going through something right now. I know you didn't mean to, but Jeremiah, when you just, just raise your hands again, it was how you raised your hands in the lights. It was almost like God was saying, I'm delivering someone in that section. I'm protecting someone in that section. There's someone who's been going through something. You got an angel with you right now. If you don't believe in angels, I'm telling you, just like demons are real, angels are real. And they are stronger than the demons. God is stronger than the enemy. You got an angel that's fighting on your behalf. Someday I'm going to preach on angels because God says all of us have an angel. He gives all of his kids angels. And I'm a child of God. Any other children of God? No longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Whatever people are facing right now that you're delivering them, you're rescuing them. You're protecting them. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Lord, I pray for those who need courage this morning. Those who are surrounded by so many opinions, so many people critiquing and judging and telling them what they should or shouldn't do. Lord, I pray, God, you give them courage to take a stand on your word, to live according to your word, to have convictions from your word. God, I pray, Lord, where they've lost their, their, their time in prayer, that they would remind themselves today that prayer is essential. That instead of panicking, it's time to start praying. Three times a day, circle your Jerusalem. Whatever it is you're believing for, God honors bold prayers and bold prayers honor God. God says, I want to show up, but I'm calling you to pray. I'm calling you to pray and fast. I'm calling you to prepare for the breakthrough. <sighs> Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, God, every person in this room, Lord, that you'd give us courage and you'd cause us to pray. Lord, when we've been apathetic to pray, God, that you would change that. Where we've been lazy and we haven't been praying, Lord, that you would stir us to a place of energy to pray. And I pray, God, that, Lord, people who are in situations that seem unchangeable. That's what, that's what it said in Daniel chapter 6. That when the stone came over the, the den, it was unchangeable. God, I pray, Lord, in situations where it seems like it's unchangeable. God, that you would show up, that you would change what humans can't change. Lord, that you would intersect what the enemy has tried to do. The assignment of the enemy is going to be canceled in Jesus' name. Over your son, over your family, your marriage, your health, over your mom, your dad, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, God, for faith to rise up. Lord, I pray, Jesus, just the spirit of faith that fear has to go. Fear, you're a liar running out of breath, and you cannot stay any longer in my mind, in my heart, in this house. Lord, I pray that shame and accusations have to go. 
anyone who's just been living in shame or regrets, that God, today, Lord, they're receiving your grace, your forgiveness, your peace in their mind, in their heart, mental health, emotional health. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for courage. Courage, God. Just say this with me. Jesus, I'm all yours. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. You are my God. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You live inside me. So I have courage. Greater is he in me than he in the world. Lord, I thank you that you are rescuing, delivering, and showing up on my behalf. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You're a way maker. You're a miracle worker. And this situation is in your hands. My trust is in you. I'm going to see a victory in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen and amen. I love you, church. God bless you.